Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday. I'm Anita Helm. I am the wife of Pastor William Helm of Resurrection Baptist Church of Woodbridge, Virginia, United States of America. So the title says for episode 131, Doubling Down on a Losing Bet. And I had the graphic for Milkshake Monday showing we have a pot of a poker and you just push it all in and you call it all in. Well, We've been celebrating all weekend. My husband loves Tommy Brady, so he's been excited about the Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl and Tommy getting his seventh Super Bowl ring and 10th appearance and all that stuff. I'm not a real big Brady fan, but yesterday I found myself gushing over Brady. So I just wanted to tell y'all some stuff. And I wanted to compare it to gambling or in your situation, you betting everything on some of your behaviors and attitudes and actions are regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of you saying you want nothing to do with Christ. You want nothing to do with religion and you don't believe in God and you're agnostic atheist. You want everything but God. And you're basically at this point of your life, you're doubling down and say you're right. And you're the master of your own universe and you can do whatever the hell you want to do. I'm going to talk to you tonight. I'm going to talk to you in plain English. I'm going to try to break it down. I'm going to tell you five simple ways that I want y'all to be aware of some dangers of doubling down on a losing bet when it comes to your salvation. And it's important because there are no exit signs in hell. People say that, but I don't think you really get it. You can't leave. You're never going to leave hell. Once you're in there and God sends you to eternity, that's life without an end and going on and on and on and on. Time with no end. So I want to do this as a warning. We just had a great celebration of games and people playing lots of games, betting lots of things. But when it comes to your eternal life, you do not want to double down at this point of the last days on a losing bet to trust what Satan is offering. So I'm going to take you to five places. But before I start, I want y'all to hear this scripture out of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible. It is in the Old Testament. It's the scripture that says in chapter 22, verse 11. Now, depending on the translation, my translation I'm going to read is New King James. But if you read other translations where I say the word still, some translations say more and more. So I'm going to read what it says in New King King James, but I'm also going to read the word more and more for emphasis. So in verse 11, it says, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still in places still, let him be unjust more and more. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still, let him be filthy more and more. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still, righteous more and more. He who is holy, let him be holy still, holy more and more. Can you imagine that the last book of the Bible, right before Christ starts to talk and you start to hear John speaking about the Lord and who he is, talks about being filthy and being unjust and righteous and holy in the sense that those who are in the sense being cold be cold and cold and those being hot being hot and hot but i want to show y'all something because those people who are finding themselves like reverend hot 
were looking through channels, flipping channels, and we saw Bill Moore, who's a, he does this show, um, I forget what it's called, but anyway, he talks about politics, but he was on this thing about he doesn't believe in God and he believes that religion is this a falsehood and, it, and the people that are involved with religion are basically empty-minded idiots that just follow after anything. So for Bill Moore and the people that think, Ronald Reagan Jr., that think that Christianity and people who follow after Christ are nut jobs and empty-minded... I want to give you some warnings because it's important that all of us hear the good news of Christ. And let's start with Exodus chapter 5. The first category of betting on a losing bet, doubling down, is for those who go, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? I don't care. There is no God. Forget all this religious stuff. Who is the Lord concept? And you're basically at this point of your life seeing all that's going on, whether it's the pandemic or it's things happening around you, evil, evil, evil. You, you say, who cares? Who's the Lord? And here's the other part that you found a king, a pharaoh saying, I don't know the Lord and I will not do what he wants. And that's what some people in your family, people in your circle of sphere of influence, they have that attitude. But I want you to hear the scripture of what Pharaoh said and his behavior and his attitude and how God hardened his heart because that's a phase of God. God knows who are in the Lamb's book of life and he knows those that are not. And some of those that he knows, he's hardening their heart, but it's for his divine purpose. Let's go to chapter five, verse one through two. After that, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh replied, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. That's the attitude that some people, even under the sound of my voice, hearing this teaching have, I don't care about the Lord. All that Jesus stuff is fake. All that Jewish stuff that he was Jew. I believe this. I believe that. I don't need Christ. I don't need religion. I don't need anything regarding God. And you have that same demonic evil spirit like Satan in all of his demonic forces, who is the Lord? And am I, I don't plan to listen to his voice and I will not do what he wants me to do. But I want you all to understand, God can harden your heart, but it's all for his purpose. Let's go to chapter nine of Exodus, verses 12 through seven. The Lord hardens his heart, which gives him a double down that I won't listen to God. I don't care what he does. I don't care how he, he thinks he's going to show me how powerful he is. I'm more powerful than God. That's how some people with money, with influence, with power, with prestige, they don't think they need God. They don't think they need to ask God for forgiveness. They don't think they need anything but themselves and their titles and what they think they have and their power on this earth. But, all that won't mean anything when you're in hell and you're suffering and gnashing of teeth the same as the poor. Verse 12 starts out, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go there that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would then have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this reason, I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. Still, you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. Now, if you know anything about the scriptures, when God shows himself powerful as he does to the Pharaoh of Egypt, that all the surrounding territories and lands and countries hear about how this most high God took care of Pharaoh. And if y'all keep reading Exodus, you'll see that the end of what Pharaoh and his army, his great army, that God swallowed them up in the Red Sea. God shows you some words that in this case, he shows you that there's a reason because he wants his power to be shown throughout all of the earth, not a little territory, but all of the earth. But look what it says too. You exalt yourself. That's what some people are doubling down. They are exalting their own will, that the people did what was right in their own sight. You're exalting your own will above the mighty hand of God. Your money, your possessions in this natural, you can't take even a penny with you and your prestige in this life will not go to the next life because God controls all life right in this natural and the supernatural eternal realm. So you can think and believe that who is God that I have to serve or listen to him and he doesn't exist. You're doubling down on a losing bet and you're going to find yourself all in hell. Let's go to the next one. Some people have in their mind that they're smarter than God, that they can do some tricks underground, behind the scenes, in the dark. Nobody's going to know what's going on. But there's a thing that God has tried to tell us in every scripture, that he is God, that he is omniscient and all-knowing, all-powerful. There's nothing that we can do or think or think we're getting away with that God doesn't know. But you have people outside the church and you have people inside the church. And I'm going to go to the, everybody knows this probably that's read the Bible a little bit. You got a couple and see when dirt is done, it's not always done by one person in the family. It's been done by a few people. When we see the de de deliberate tricks that are happening in our politics, it's not just one person in the family that's doing dirt. It's the whole family that's connived to do it. And that's what you're going to find in Acts 5. And many people know this story. It's a husband and wife team. But the case, we always focus on the money or the property proceeds that they held back because they lied to God and Holy Spirit. But it's the reality that where God tells us all to deny ourselves, deny ourselves as we follow him, they decided that they didn't want to deny themselves because just as you saw Pharaoh, in their heart, they were really not wanting to give and share 
into the hand of God. They wanted some to be maintained for themselves. And a lot of us say that we love God, but there's a part of us that we say, God, you can have this part, but this rest is mine. This rest is mine. And you can have me do a little bit of your service, but the rest of it is my will of what I wanted to do. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, there's the lie to the Holy Spirit, but I want y'all to understand the selfishness, the lying, the deceit that you think that you really can fool God. You think you're so smart when it comes to what you got, your possessions, and you won't give what you want to give. You're going to do what you want to do. You're going to go when you want to go, but you're doubling down on a losing bet. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. But a man named Ananias with his wife... Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. It's all about self, self, self. For himself, with his wife's full knowledge. So it's for herself too. Himself and herself with full knowledge knew they planned to do a shakedown of what they're going to lie to God about. I'm going to hold some of it back. And I'm going to think God is dumb enough not to figure this out. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan, this is the demonic activity that Satan does. He hardens your heart to be about yourself and the lies to yourself that you think you can lie to God. That's satanic. It says that why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? Either the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and the mouth speaks, and then you find your feet doing stuff, your mind doing stuff, and then you conceive of doing evil things against the Lord. You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. He was all in, and he's dead. He doubled down to lie to God about money. There's that mammon again. You can't serve God and mammon. You're going to love one and hate the other. And he hated the thought of even giving God all that he was going to. He was he, he could have kept it, but he wanted to lie. But see, he didn't just lie. His family household lied. Here we go. The young men got up and covered him up. And after carrying him out, they buried him. It says, now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what happened. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together? That's lying. That's why you got to be careful who you are having companionship with. That's why God tells you, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It tells you to be careful with the friends that you hang out with, the counsel that you hang out around with, because y'all could be doubling down to do evil 
in the sight of God and not following after the good news of Jesus Christ. And she cannot. And he asked her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband and great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Now Pharaoh had his situation and the whole world heard about it on the earth. And now the fear is coming that you can't lie to God. You can't hold back stuff. If you're going to promise something, you need to do it. Well, people still get that twisted. Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 12. All the preachers used to say this, but people don't say it hardly anymore, and people don't even care about it. They'll steal from God right in front of the preacher's face every Sunday, every other week, whatever, whatever. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. What does God not know about all of our paychecks? He knows the difference between gross pay, net pay. He knows when you get short pay. He knows it all. He knows when you get the stimulus check the first time, the second time. He knows it. He knows what you give, and he knows what you don't give. He knows what excuses we all want to give. But the outcome of doubling down on robbing God is a curse. Do you really want to be double cursed by God? It says here, will a man rob God? And you know man ain't just man, it's man and woman. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me. The whole nation of you bring, now let's just word in this translation, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delight, delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So you don't can imagine the curse because he's rebuking the devourer for your sake if you do right. If you do righteous still, like I said, more and more, but if you're going to be unjust and filthy and evil and thievery to God, you can imagine the curse. He's already showing you the blessings. We'll flip that and do the opposite. The devourer will be let loose on you. Instead of your cup overflowing, you'll be holes in your pockets. Bank accounts overdrafted, all kinds of crazy stuff. But that's God said, don't rob me. Don't rob me. Trust me. Test me. He says, prove me now in some translations. But it says, test me and I'll show you that I can provide all of your needs according to the riches and glory through Christ Jesus. The riches aren't all about money. I told you about the peace. I told you about the joy. I told you about the long suffering, the endurance that he has for all of us. Now, the last one I'm going to tell you about, because I think that I'm not a preacher. I'm a preacher's wife. And just because I say things, don't assume that it's happening at resurrection. I've lived a few years and I've been around many worship houses of worship and I've talked to many preachers. I've seen them. I've watched them. So some of this is happens all the time in churches because people are people. And even people that say they love God, people act 
act certain ways. When they fill themselves up with more self, then they fill it with the spirit of God teaching them the word of God. So we're going to go to number 16. Now, number 16, I want y'all to notice something. Our mouths and rebellion seem to walk hand in hand. When people want to go against God and they want to say things, they go against the, the men and ministers of God, but they really do that because they can't get their physical hands on God. So it's easy to kind of run your mouth and start trouble and start some hell in the congregation of the people. But when you're doing that, you like I said, God is everywhere. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. So when you're raising hell, even in the background, just like Ananias and Sapphira thought they were getting away with something, God knows when people are speaking the words of truth and love and good news about the son or people are raising hell and doing what Satan is trying to get them to do to cause division and corruption in the church and doing things that are not of God. So here's a story, our story about Korah, because there's some Korahs in the congregations, but God ain't going to have that for long. You think it's, it's working out and the numbers are growing in this division and the collection for the rebellion, but you're going to see what happens to Korah. All 250 are going to be gone. But I want y'all to see how God shows out because God, he don't need to be creative like we think we got to be creative. God does his own thing in his own time. And it says here in Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 through 40, I won't read all of uh, the 40 verses, but you should take the time to read them. I'm going to read some of them and I'm going to jump around. Verse 1 says, Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Eberon, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Pelith, the sons of Reuben, took action. Mm -mm. And they rose up before Moses, together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, chosen in the assembly, men of renown. They raised in hell and they got a big time group and they got the folks that put the money in the church, right? They assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone far enough for all the congregation are holy. Who you think you are? That's the attitude. That's the attitude brewing up. Y'all think it's new. It's been around. It says you have gone far enough for all the congregation are holy. Every one of them want to say all of us is, is holy. You ain't special. Who you think you are, Moses and Aaron? every one of them, and the Lord is in their midst. So why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard this, he fell on his face. And he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will bring him near to himself. Even the one whom he will choose, he will bring near to himself. Do this. Take censors for yourselves, Korah and all your company, because y'all see this, 250 of them, and put fire in them and lay incense upon them in the presence of the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the one who is holy. Now, I can't read all this, so we're going to jump to some scriptures down. But y'all read this whole 40 verses. We're going to jump to verse 25. 
Then Moses arose. You got to read what's happening, transpire. Remember, bring the censers, light them up. God's going to show, Moses is saying, God's going to show who is his. Verse 25 says, Then Moses arose and went to Dathan. And Eberam, with the elders of Israel following him, and he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing that they that belong to them, or you will be swept away in all their sin. So they got back from around the dwellings of Korah, Dathan and Eberam. And Dathan and Eberam came out and stood at the doorway of their tents, along with their wives and their sons and their little ones. Moses said, by this, you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these deeds, for this is not my doing. If these men die the death of all men, or if they suffer the fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing and the ground opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that is theirs and they descend alive into Sheol, then you will understand that these men have spurned the Lord. As he finished speaking, all these words, the ground that was under them split open and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol and the earth closed over them. See what happened? All that, but look what happened still. And they perished from the midst of the assembly all Israel who were around them fled as their outcry, for they said, the earth may swallow us up. Fire also. Now, you saw the swallowing up of Korah and all his household and all the men, right? But don't think the other people who were in rebellion against God got away. It says, fire also came forth from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. They burned up. Because you cannot be in rebellion against God and think you are going to win. You will go double down and all in and you will find yourself dead in hell. Now, some of y'all don't believe me. Sister Helen's being dramatic. She's trying to scare us. I ain't trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. I'm trying to tell you something that maybe will open up your heart and let the Holy Spirit draw you so you'll understand that God loves you, but God is not going to settle himself on the side of the throne. You are not going to be the master of the universe that he created. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you understand that? He doesn't say, okay, for this period of time, you just be in control and you just consult me when you feel like it. It doesn't work like that, sisters and brothers. It doesn't work like that. So the last part, everybody knows John 3.16. Good for you. It's all around the stadiums where we used to go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You need to go further because there's a warning there. For those who love, just like we talked about in Revelations, if you're going to be holy, be holy still more and more. If you're going to be, you know, the righteous people, be righteous still more and more. But you got to read past John 3, 16 to verse 17. So let's start at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world 
to condemn this world, to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not, you better get to your friends and your family and your neighbors and the people that are, are being foolish. It says because them, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. This is the outline. This is the bottom line. This is when you take your last breath, the judgment part. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because the works, their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, I gotta t I'm not being political right now. I'm going to tell y'all something. It's hard to see when people hear the truth or see the truth that they're like, I don't want to believe that. I've been hearing this word rabbit hole, how people in these different cults are going down rabbit holes. Well, they're going down rabbit holes because they're choosing to let their ears and their eyes and everything exposed that they want to hear only reflect themselves, heaping on themselves the silly fables, heaping on themselves the lies of the enemy, heaping on themselves deceit. Satan is a father of lies. And when you're attracted to lies rather than the truth, you will believe ungodly things. When people show you light, you would rather gravitate through the darkness. So as we go through these next few days and people say, I want to be blinded. I don't want to hear truth. I don't want to hear it because I'm afraid you're going to take away my power. You're going to take away my prestige. You're like Pharaoh. Who is the Lord? You want your power because you think your power is exalted above God. If you know who the Lord is, you should be asking God to purify your heart and let you hear and receive the truth so you won't believe a lie. But the last scripture I'm going to tell you is the one that comes out of Mark 14 verse 36 great example of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he says, Abba, he shows a relationship with his father and he realizes the cup that he's about to take for us because of our sin, because of Anita's sin and your sin, all of our sins is heavy, is torture. But that love that he has for us, He's to ask his father if it's possible to take the cup, but then he says something that all of us have to have in our heart to say, not my will, but thy will be done. If we keep letting ourselves lead ourselves, we will lead ourselves into destruction and damnation. We have to realize don't double down on a losing bet of following self-interest and self, self, self. Christ says if we're to follow him, we have to deny ourselves because the self that's in us is what our father and mother, Eve and Adam, ate that forbidden fruit because they went after their self. And we have to realize that Christ died because he loves us. And we have to gravitate to him. In the midst of these dark days, the dark days are going to get worse. People are going to love the darkness more than they love light. They're going to love the lie more than they love truth. But we have to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord in the midst of this. And we cannot walk by the sight of these eyes. We have to walk by faith, not by sight. And trust God 
Tell people about the good news of Christ. If it's not your kids, then talk to somebody else. If your kids don't want to hear because they're like, I don't want to hear, then you talk to your neighbor's kids. You talk to the people on your influence that God is bringing in your path. The time is getting dark. This pandemic is not just going to kill a half a million people in America. It's going to be some dark days because as you saw at the last night's event and you see as you're driving down the highway, people are not wearing masks. People don't want social distance because half of the country, if 74 million people think they don't have to do anything but what one man tells them to do, we're in some treacherous, ungodly times that we have to be prayed of. We have to seek God's face and trust him and be about his business. I love you and Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless you.